I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome and thank you for joining us on another episode of Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. This is a show about your health, your life, and much more with our rotating cast of experts. You can catch up on all of our shows on talk1370.com slash experts. And if you have a question that you would like answered on air, feel free to email us. Ask the experts at talk1370.com. My guest today is Regina Shower. Regina is an attorney with Slayton Shower Law Firm. And today we are speaking about estate planning. Regina, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. So um, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? This is your first time on this show, and I would like them to uh, know who you are. Great. Um, I'm Regina Shower. I have been practicing since 1991, so about 25 plus years. I started off in a district attorney's office and um, was appointed as the youngest female judge in Oklahoma at that time, and I served in that role for for about eight years, got involved in some international adoption work, brought children from Russian orphanages for about 12 years, and um, I did that a lot at the same time that I was a judge, and uh, just to, to help out people, and uh, got involved in wills and trusts and estate planning to try to help people also. And uh, as Russia shut down to adoption, I moved exclusively into this area, mm-hmm. and uh Preparing wills and trusts is all that I do now, and uh, just try to help as many people as I can. At this stage of my career, I can I can do that. During the week, we have programs that uh, continuously uh, hammer down the uh, importance of having a will and a trust. Um, would you let our listeners know why that is important? If you have a, a will or a trust, you have control over what happens mm-hmm. with your assets, but also um, just one of the reasons that I got into this is I realized that over 80% of families that uh, when that major death occurs, over 80% of families splinter apart at that first death, never to reunite. And you probably know somebody who has, um, they've gotten mad at that time and they've never spoken again to each other. Mm -hmm. And um, when I realized that statistic was so high, I realized with proper planning, you can eliminate or at least diffuse a lot of those situations. So it's not just about assets. It's about trying to keep your family from falling apart when you pass away. And so what happens, what will happen to my property if I die without a will or a trust? Well, if you die without a will or a trust, the state does have a plan for you. And every state uh, has a plan. But Texas, in Texas, uh, what would happen is if all of, if you're married and all of your children are by the person 
that you're married to, then your spouse would inherit everything. If, however, you have a child that is not by that spouse that you're married to, they divide the property. And the property would go a third, well, part of the property would be divided in half, and part of the property would go two-thirds to the children, one-third to your spouse. Now, if you don't have living, um, if you don't have a living spouse, then it would go all to the children. If you don't have a living spouse or children, it goes up to your parents. If you don't have living parents, it goes out to siblings. Mm-hmm. If you don't have living siblings, it goes to nieces and nephews, et cetera, et cetera. It down the line that way. Right. Until they find an heir. Okay. Uh, but that's why it's important to have that trust. Correct. Or that will. <laughs> yes. Well, there's, there's other reasons too. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps you to make sure that property is divided the way that you want it divided in the fact that the state's program is real regimented. I mean, it's it's uh, very mechanical. Mm-hmm. So say that you have a brother that's a Dell billionaire and you have one brother that's a, a firefighter with two children. The state's plan would have it go 50-50. You don't have any control over that. But maybe uh, you would prefer that if it's only just going to cause tax consequences to the Dell millionaire, that you'd prefer it help out the firefighter with his children. Mm-hmm. The only way that you can have that happen is if you designate that that happens with either a will or a trust. And so um, how else is property transferred if I die without a will or a trust? It's just called intestate. Okay. That's uh, There's several forms. Um, we have many ways that we can do that in Texas. There's some small estates planning. I, I believe you used the word probate already. Would you explain to our listeners what probate is? Probate is just a um, court procedure to take um, property of someone. So let's say um, it's Bill Jones and he owns a home and some other things, his car, say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the process of making somebody else own it. It, so you can't just leave it in somebody who's passed away's name. So the it, the court process is probate is to change the title to say Mary Jones if that's his wife. Um, it's also a way to make sure all the debts of that deceased person are taken care of. So what the hos- last hospital bills, the doctors, the funeral expenses, and it is also designed so that there's if there's any disputes going on, those all get resolved, mm-hmm. and that. That's where you hear, like, the person, uh, you'll have a neighbor, say, that comes in and files and says, five years ago, Bill told me that he was going to help me build this fence between the two houses. He never paid his part. So that's where you see a lot of the will contests come come into play. Um, family members that maybe they're getting 50%, but they think they should have gotten 70%. That's when they file their uh, contest and that type of thing. So it can, it can go from... Anywhere from like six months, it's, it averages about nine months mm-hmm. to take care of a probate. Uh, but it, it can go anywhere from, from six months all the way to years. But usually if it takes years, that's like, okay, the one person sees black when the person says white. I mean, they can't agree on anything. Right. Normally it doesn't take that long at all. And can uh, probate be avoided? Yes. With a trust, it can be avoided. And um, a trust is um, useful to a lot of families and um, and many families find that that is a very helpful thing. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. Today we're sitting down with 
Regina Shower. Regina is an attorney at law at the Slayton Shower Law Firm. And today we are speaking about estate planning. Regina, we have a few minutes before our first break. I wanted to ask you this question. What is a joint tendency and is there another type of joint tendency? Yes. Um, And this is something that people in Texas really do need to know Mm -hmm. because in Texas we have two types of joint tenancy. One is joint tenancy with right of survivorship. The other is just a plain joint tenancy. A lot of times you'll see uh, a mistake being made, uh, like on a bank account account or a house, if you mean for that property, like a a bank account, to go to the person after you pass away, then you want to have a joint tenancy with right of survivorship. But if you just say, put your child on that account to help you pay bills as you were older, but you didn't really want that account to be given to that child after you passed away, then you just have it in joint tenancy. The problem is, is a lot of times people will do that as say on a house and they really did did intend for that to go to the person after they passed away, but it's just in joint tenancy. And so then we get into a whole, you know, problem whenever they pass away because it didn't have rights of survivorship on it. So whatever it is that you intended to do, you just need to check your documents and make sure it does what you intended. And can I just use a joint tenancy and take everything that way and not have a trust or a will? Uh, There's some really good reasons that you don't want to do that. Uh, The first is uh, that if you receive any type of Medicaid after, uh, like as as you get older and you're going into a nursing home or you've received long-term care benefits from the government, a lot of people don't realize that the government will try to come back and recover those after you pass away. If you have it in a joint tenancy situation, then they you have they have the right to come in and try to recover those from you. Um, also, um, there's any time that you have somebody on a, a piece of property with you, you put your piece of property at risk. And uh, say that the person is in a car accident and they get sued for whatever damages or personal injuries. If your property is in their name, then of course they can come after your property to satisfy that debt too. It's one of the things that we see people do uh, trying to avoid probate and and that type of thing by adding children to their deeds. And it really can get people into trouble. When I was a judge, uh, one of the things that they would bring to us would be like a child support order and you would freeze all assets. Well, if he's on grandma's account, well, now you've just frozen grandma's account and she can't pay her bills. So there's all kinds of things like that that come up. It's a very complicated situation. Yes. Well, we have much more asked yet experts coming up. But before we take our first break, I want to give you the website for Regina's law firm. It is austinestateplan.com. Again, that's austinestateplan.com. You can give them a call today, 512-258-9455. We'll have much more with Regina coming up right here on Ask the Experts. Welcome back to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370, the show about your health, your life, and much more with our rotating cast of experts. Today, we're sitting down with Regina Shower. Regina is an attorney at law with the Slayton Shower Law Firm. 
and we're speaking about everything you need to know about estate planning. Regina, my next question for you is, what are the key documents that every estate plan must have to protect a family? You want to have either a will or a trust. You want to have your powers of attorney. And that's for um, if somebody is not able to make their own mental decisions anymore, and like, you know, dementia sets in, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's, that type of thing. You want to make those decisions in advance of who you would trust to take care of you and who you would trust to take care of your financial so that's what that power of attorney is for. There's a medical power of attorney and there's a property power of attorney. So you want both of those. There's three medical documents that you want included. The first medical document that you want included is an, called an advanced directive. And it is just, do I want to be kept alive artificially by machines? Do I want them to do everything in the world possible to keep me alive? Or do I want to die without all of the assistance being kept artificially alive. So that's your first document. The second document is the power of attorney who's going to make medical decisions for me if I can't speak for myself. And the third is called a HIPAA document, and that's who can the doctors explain my medical situation to? Who has access to my medical record? So you can name the same person in all of those, or maybe you want more people to be able to know what's going on with you, like on the HIPAA document and that type of thing. So, so you can name multiple people for the HIPAA? Uh, you can only name one medical power of attorney person at w- at a time okay. because the doctors don't want two siblings to be standing there arguing in front of them. They need one person to make a decision. Okay. On all of the other documents, like the property power of attorney and a trust and all or will or any of the other documents, you can have two people serving together or more. Is there an, any advantage to someone having a trust rather than just having a power? Power of attorney document? Oh, yes. Um, with a trust, the trust, they have title to it. When they step into the role, uh, this is when somebody cannot make their mental decisions anymore, okay? okay? So incapacity. If you have a trust, they step into the role of owning the, do- on, beh- on your behalf, they can they own the property and can make decisions and can do th- everything that you need them to do. Uh, with a power of attorney, it's up to uh, the banks, uh, it's up to the people to honor those powers of attorney. And usually with a spouse, we don't run into any problems. So if it's a husband and wife, the banks will usually honor them. But a lot of times we'll see the children having trouble with the power of attorneys. In fact, we've tried to put it in front of the legislature a couple of times to get that changed and it and hasn't gone through yet. Uh, the state bar has. Um, so it is an advantage even just in a disability situation to have a trust over just powers of attorney. And will I have control of my assets if I create a trust? Is, is this going to cause me a lot of extra hassle when I sell or buy something like a home or real estate or or if uh, a real estate, if it's just a trust? There's a, a lot of uh, myths around trusts because there are different kinds of trust. What I'm talking about is a revocable trust. It means it's completely changeable. You can throw it out the window if you don't like it later. Uh, you can ch- 
change it in any way you want to, and it won't cause you, I mean, you don't do business any different. So if you're trying to buy or sell something, it doesn't change it. It doesn't change taxes. It doesn't change anything. There's also something called an irrevocable will. That's, I mean, an irrevocable trust. Uh, we, we use that if somebody is going into a nursing home and we're trying to get their assets down to the minimum that they have to be in order for them to qualify. It's real complicated. There's a lot of provisions. There's a five-year look, but we have to do it five years before the person becomes disabled. There's a lot of things around that. But for a normal family situation, uh, the revocable trust doesn't change anything that you do. You have complete control over everything. So who do I want to serve as an executor trustee if I'm going to create a will or a trust? You want someone in that role that you have complete trust in. It uh, often is our children. Uh, it'll sometimes be a, a very trusted relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can change that anytime that you wish, as long as you're still mentally able to. Uh, if you don't have someone, we have quite a few people that don't have that person uh, that they trust. You can name a bank. You can name a, um, a you know someone that like a, there are professional trust companies that you can name somebody. The downside to that, the disadvantage to doing that is all of the, the bank or a professional trust company will have a fee associated with it. Whereas usually your children and relatives, uh, most of the time they won't charge you. So there's no fees attached. So you just have to weigh out what's best for your family situation. As far as a will or a trust, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> I don't have any dependents. Uh, I don't have a spouse. Um, could I just name anyone in my family? Would I name a parent or maybe a, a nephew or a sister or something? Even if you have children and a spouse, mm-hmm. you could name anyone that you put your trust in. And a lot of times we will see, uh, say, uh, a, a husband name a, a brother or a sister because they want someone different to control the assets after they pass away than who has custody or who's controlling the children. Just to more carefully preserve those assets because one of the advantage of a trust is that you can make sure that whatever it is that you're trying to do happens with those assets. So say that your goal is to make sure that you have assets adequate resources to get the children through college. Well, maybe you want to put something in there to have somebody say, okay, look, you know, this is the amount they can use while they're elementary and high school, but this amount has to be saved. Or maybe you want to protect your assets from you pass away and now she marries somebody else. You want to make sure that your assets are preserved for your children, not to go to the next spouse. Well, with a trust, you can do that. You can protect it. You can put uh, an, a prenuptial in there that just says, hey, you've got a trust. I know I have a trust and I don't have any rights to it. Some age limits as well. Right. You don't want to give all that money to someone right at 20. Right. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, is um, well, you can do all kinds of things. For example, maybe you want to give half of it to them when the death occurs and keep half of it for five years after so that if they mess up with the first half, they 
they would still have the second half that they could rely on. Okay. Um, there's all kinds of things that you can do with the trust. If you're just tuning in, we're sitting down with Regina Shower. She is an attorney at law with the Slayton Shower Law Firm. If you're interested in the topic that we're speaking on today, you can check out their website, austinestateplan.com. Again, that's austinestateplan.com. Regina, we have a few minutes before the break. I wanted to ask you if my property taxes will change if I create a trust. Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, doesn't affect property taxes at all. And it won't affect your homestead exemption. And it won't affect if you, like if you're at the age of 65 and you get to freeze your property taxes, even if you put them in a trust, you still get to do that. Everything gets frozen. And if you've already got it frozen, it stays frozen, all of that type of thing. Nothing changes. So what if I have one of those loans that says, if I transfer, gift, sell, etc., the loan on the property comes due. If I create a trust and put my property in it, will this cause a problem with my loan? Not at all. Uh, There's an exception to the law that allows people to move things into the trust without it affecting any of these type of things. And is a trust only for people who have a lot of wealth or assets? I I don't have much. You know, I just have, I don't even have a house. I just have a car, a small bank account, and just, you know, the retirement pension that I've acquired up to my life right now. There's a lot of advantages to a trust. Um, Part of it is just getting rid of the hassle factor. Well, think of it this way. You're going to have court costs. If somebody becomes disabled, mentally disabled, and if you're in a couple, um, the odds are that somebody's going to have a health problem somewhere before they get to 100. So you may have a a conservatorship or a guardianship. You're going to have court costs associated with that if you have to go to court and get that established. If um, Then you're going to have court costs again if the person passes away and you have to go through probate. So usually the cost of a trust with a uh, with many attorneys will be at the same or less than going through probate. Not all the time, mm-hmm. but most of the time. So you start looking at, okay, you know, we're balancing this out. So what is the hassle factor of having to go to the courthouse two or three times? What's the hassle factor of having to go down there four, four or five times if you're having to go multiple times? And just the unknown. You have a lot more control. That, yeah, it's not just... And, and used to back in the old days, whenever you didn't have computers and stuff, you know, it would cost a fortune to get one of these done. But now with computers and and attorneys that are in reasonable areas that maybe the overhead isn't quite so crazy, um, then you can afford to get trust done, even for small estates. So what's like an age limit to, you know, for an estate or or, or a trust? Um, Would you recommend this something for maybe like a younger person that may be tuning in right now and listening? If you have a child, you need to have something in place mm-hmm. um, because most people don't realize it, but if you think about it logically, you'll realize it's it's accurate. What's going to happen if you have a child and you have a car wreck out on the, on the highway and you have not put any kind of document in place? They're not just going to hand over a child to grandma without some documentation in place. So what happens to that child? The child's put in foster care until the court can settle it, figure it out. So that's one reason. 
why you really need some a will or a trust in places so you can name a guardian for the child, even if you don't have a lot of assets. The second thing is just um, you just you need to have control over what you want to see happen with everything. Um, so yeah, I mean you just everybody that owns property needs to have some kind of document in place. I feel like this is a topic that a lot of people don't like to speak about uh, yes. at all. Um, but it, it certainly is an important one. Again, we're sitting down with Regina Shower with the Slayton Shower Law Firm. Any questions, if you want to get in contact with them, send them an email. Um, you can do so by visiting their website, austinestateplan.com. Again, that's austinestateplan.com. And don't go anywhere. We have much more Ask the Experts coming up right after this message. And you're listening to Ask the Experts right here on Talk 1370. This is the second half of the show. We're sitting down with Regina Shower today. Regina's an attorney at law at the Slayton Shower Law Firm. And we're speaking about estate planning. It's typically a conversation that, as we all know, nobody really wants to have, but we kind of have to have it. So, Regina, we, we've gone through a lot already. The next thing I wanted to ask you is, what are the advantages of keeping assets in a trust for my child or other beneficiaries instead of just giving them outright? Well, you can protect them. Um, the For example, uh, if you just give them outright to the child, then the guardian of the child has control. And as long as they use them for the benefit of the child, um, they can use them any way they want, basically. So we see things happen like, okay, they bought, it's for the benefit of the child for them to have a swimming pool. So let's put a swimming pool in. Well, I'm going to build an extra room onto the house because that's really for the benefit of the child. Whereas um, if you put it in trust, you protect those assets. You can more control. You can name somebody you know will will make a decision that you would make. Or you can actually dictate like, okay, this is only going to be used for college. This is only going to be used in an event of emergency, um, that type of thing. But also, you can name two people to be in it. So maybe you're going to name the guardian, maybe the other parent of that child, but you also maybe name your sister along with them. And hopefully, just because there's a second voice in there, they may make more responsible decisions. The other thing, though, is, and people don't realize this, is that especially if you're trying to benefit a minor child, then if you just give it out right to them, you just knock them out of qualifying for all the financial aid that would be available to them when they hit college age, because now they have a pot of money that's their own money. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we put it in trust and we put somebody else as the trustee, they don't own it. So then they still qualify for all the financial aid that they can qualify for, and then we can supplement what they receive. Uh, The same is true for a special needs child. If you just outright give them a, a, an amount of money to try to take care of them for the rest of the life, then they you've knocked them out of qualifying for all the government benefits that they might
might qualify for. Whereas if we put it into a trust, then we make sure that they get all the government benefits and we can just come in and make their life better with that trust. We see that as a mistake a lot of times with the special needs children. Mm -hmm. So you have to do it a certain way. The other thing that we see people do is um, we can we can take an IRA and we can, the way that IRAs work is when you inherit an IRA, if you just set, make it payable to all three children, then it pays on the life expectancy of the very oldest child. Whereas if we divide it, we can make it pay on each child's life expectancy different, which basically means the younger people get a little bit more payout from that same asset. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there's all kinds of things that we can do that help people. Is there Are there any disadvantages to keeping assets in a trust for my child or beneficiaries? There can be. Um, if you, if, for example, you name a professional trust company, um, then there's going to be fees associated with that trust company taking care of it. If um, you name a bank, for example, um, you're, you're probably going to have some fees. You are going to have some fees uh, t- that are going to be taken out of that. But you have to weigh against, is that going to protect the assets more or less? So in each individual person's experience, um, you know, it's just going to depend on their, whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage. It's going to depend on the family situation. Will my trust need to be changed when I buy or sell assets like a piece of property? Absolutely not. Uh, The framework of the trust stays the same. So you can move assets in and out of it. And as you remove them, as you sell something, well, it'll just move something else into that place. The trust framework stays the same. And then you just move assets around. And you uh, you don't have to do a lot of work to do that either. It's just you go ahead and live your life and you let the trust stay in the background, but it's there in the event that something tragic happens and you need it. Otherwise, you just kind of ignore it. Mm-hmm. So. And so can you cancel or terminate a trust if you create one later and you don't like it? Uh, we don't see that happen very often, but yes, you have the ability to just throw it out the window and cancel it completely if you don't like it. Most of the time, what people do instead is they just change it. They modify it. Uh, we call it an amendment, mm-hmm. or we can start completely over and call it a restatement. And it just basically says, I'm throwing the other one out. I want a new one. This is what it needs to say. Uh, when, when do you see situations like that? Uh, most of the time, it's when a whole, like a divorce happens. Mm-hmm. And so they they want it completely to start over. So I don't want anything I had before. I want it to completely start over. So we have to separate that out and, and do that separately. Otherwise, um, people just, like if maybe 20 people in their estate plan have passed away because now they're 95, they may need to completely do a, a complete restatement. Mm-hmm. So can someone contest a trust like they break or contest wills? That's one of the great advantages of a trust is that a trust keeps everything private. So it never goes to court. Um, that One of the reasons that people choose to do trust is because everything that you do with a will involves probate. 
Wills and probate go together. So you'll never have, and people come to me all the time and they'll say, well, mom got a will done so that we wouldn't have to go to court. But the truth of it is, anytime that you have a will, you're going to have probate process. Well, anytime that you have a probate process, everything is a public document. So what happens when you go to probate is you have a listing of all the assets that were owned by that person, and it's called an inventory. And then you have to give an appraised value to each one of those assets. So now in a public document, you have a listing of everything that person owned and the value of it. And the next thing that happens is you have the name and address attached of where that property went. So now in a public record, we have the name, the address, and the value of everything that that person was given. So it really sets up a situation where, especially when it's like an elderly spouse that's left. Uh, We have not just um, the normal things that you would be worried about, but we have a lot of, that's a public record, and we have people that go buy these lists now, and all of a sudden, salesmen show up at grandma's doorstep trying to tell her that her roof needs to be repaired or something like that. Mm -hmm. The other advantage to it is when you do a trust, everything stays private. So you don't have that record, that public record of what was owned. The example we usually give is um, Bob Hope had a trust, and nobody to this day knows what the value of that estate was. They don't know what he owned or anything like that. Uh, The contrast to that would be Jackie Kennedy Onassis. She had a will, and you can go on the internet today and buy a copy of her will, even with the handwritten notes in the corners, and everything that she owned became public record. Um, So that's you know, if you do that, then anytime it's a public hearing, anybody can walk in and mm-hmm. say, I can test. With a trust, because it's a private document, somebody would actually have to start a lawsuit. So it's a lot harder for them because they're going to have to go find, going to have to go and hire an attorney, or they don't have to hire an attorney. I guess you could try to do it on your own, but they're going to have to start a lawsuit and file a lawsuit. It's a lot more difficult. Yeah, it sounds a lot more difficult. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like like um, you get a a level of privacy that maybe a lot of people would want with a trust. Definitely. Uh, so how long would it take to set up a trust? We usually tell people to give us a month. It takes, uh, because we do have other clients in the process too. Uh, we If we have a crisis situation or somebody's about to go to Europe and on vacation and they want this done before they go, then we can get it done quicker. But we usually tell people to give us about a month from the time that they come to us the first time. And again, and uh, to get a hold of Regina um, and her team, you can visit their website, austinestateplan.com. Again, that's austinestateplan.com. We're going to step aside for our final break. Um, we have one last segment of Ask the Experts coming up right here on Talk 1370. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. I'm your host, Matt Alvarez. I want to thank you for tuning in again and sticking with us for the hour. My guest today is Regina Shower. Regina is an attorney at law at the Slayton Shower Law Firm, and we're talking about estate planning today. Regina, uh, just a few more questions left for you on the program. 
Um, the first one is, what is a generation skipping transfer tax? It is a tax that is associated with, uh, well, just what it sounds like. You're skipping a generation. Mm-hmm. So instead of giving it to your children, you're giving it to your grandchildren. Um, it's really right now that because of the tax reforms, there's a, an incentive, I would say, to if you don't need, if your child has done really well in life and um, you want to preserve that assets to try to help a grandchild. Right now, because of the tax reform that has recently occurred, you have an $11.18 million exemption. So you're able to give without getting taxed $11.18 million per person um, to a grandchild and get that into a trust to help them. And we have trusts that people set up for, um, like I said before, to preserve for college expenses, but also you can do things like, okay, we paid for college. Now we want to, um, we'll give you up to 50% of your trust to make that first down payment on a home. Mm -hmm. And you can set that into the trust uh, for each grandchild. So you could keep it in a common pot and you could say each grandchild could uh, pull from this trust and pay for their first down payment on a home. Or you could say, okay, I, I, after that, I, I want to incentivize them to save for retirement. And so you could say for every uh, matching amount, well, for every amount that you contribute to an IRA, as long as you haven't withdrawn from it for two years, I'll match it up to X dollars. And so you get your grandchildren to then save for their retirement. So you're actually helping them even in their elder age. Um, there's all kinds of things that uh, that you can do. So. And what is a power of attorney and what is the difference in a general power of attorney and a limited power of attorney? Oh, that's a that's a really good question because a lot of people don't know this and it would it, it could really help them to know this. Is when you give a power of attorney, a lot of times I will see people who are traveling overseas for business and so they'll give uh, a power of attorney to uh, their child or to somebody to take care of things while they're gone and they don't realize you can give a limited power of attorney. And it's just what it sounds like. A limited power of attorney is limited to doing certain things. So you could limit it to say uh, they could take care of the house while I'm gone or to this certain bank account or or just anything. I mean, you can limit it. To, I used to, when I was traveling back and forth to Russia and handling adoption documents for people, they would give me a power of attorney just to handle that Russian adoption process for them. I couldn't touch any accounts, anything else. So if you people think that, oh, it's a all or nothing, I either have to give a whole general power of attorney, which gives them the right to do anything that you could do. So you really, really want to be careful on a general power of attorney. Or you could give a limited power and just give them cert- the rights to do certain things. You can also limit those power of attorneys by time. So maybe you only want to give them a power of attorney for one month and then renew it if you need to or 
that kind of thing. So, And then there's also the difference between a durable power of attorney and a regular power of attorney. A durable power of attorney stays in place after somebody becomes incapacitated and can't make their own mental decisions. The other one ends if they become incapacitated. So, And so when does the power of attorney become effective? As soon as they sign it. Okay. So You um, can't just shout it. Right. No, yeah. you have to do it in front of a notary. Okay. Um, and usually two witnesses is, I mean, most of the time we ask people to do it that way. I don't, uh, but um, you want to make sure that we have what we call in law a rule of two, and it's just that anytime that you name somebody on these documents, it's always good to have a backup. So if you've named, say, your daughter uh, to to be on that power of attorney, and then something happens, the daughter's in a car accident or something, you probably want to name somebody else to step in. Because a lot of times what we see is 20 years ago, they created a power of attorney when they were doing trust documents or a, a will, and they did that and named their spouse. Well, then something happens to the spouse, but they didn't name anybody else. So then they end up having to go get a conservatorship or a guardianship just simply when they tried to do the right thing. They tried to get all the documents in place, but things had had changed in their life. So, um, Regina, what is a guardianship or a conservatorship? I guess I should have told that, explained that earlier. I'm sorry. Um, yes, a guardianship is if somebody can no longer make their own mental decisions. It, it's not triggered by like if you were placed in a wheelchair. It'd have to be that you couldn't understand the consequences of your decisions anymore. So maybe dad, uh, if you ask him, do you want to live here? He would respond yes. But does he understand that that means that he won't be able to live over in this other place? He has to understand not only just to answer the question, but he has to understand the consequences of what is being asked. But anyway, um, the the conservatorship or guardianship is a court appointing somebody to make those decisions for that person. The problem with guardianship or conservatorship is, again, it's a public hearing. So I usually give the example of my husband, who is probably the most intelligent person I've ever met in my life. Um, It would absolutely kill me to have to go into a court and say he was no longer able to make his own mental decisions. The reason is because I know that as genealogy checks or in uh, searches are done five generations from now, they look at public records. Well, the only record they may find of that person is that he was found mentally incompetent at some point. So I don't like these, but they are public hearings. The other problem with them is that um, you don't have control of it. So while, say, the, the it may seem logical to you that you're spouse that you've lived with for 40 years would be the person that they would appoint as your guardian. If they've had some, never had experience handling money, or if they've just had some problems, some little flaws in their past, the court very well could say, no, this isn't the person Mm -hmm. that we want to be appointed. And they may appoint somebody that you did not expect would be appointed. You need to be able to keep control of your life. The other thing I often explain to people is is say that the, the the judges only get a postcard look at your family. So say that you have a real responsible business person as your daughter, and you have a son who's kind of a bum, you know, he, he's not really working a lot and that kind of 
kind of thing. And um, you, if you had the choice to make, even though this Susan Doe, let's just say the daughter, is really responsible and she looks good and professional, she's not very kind. Only you really know that and you know that you would rather have the son who's taking care of you on a daily basis because he's kind and sweet and nice to you. But the court just gets like this little picture of you, of your family. Only you know what's right and good for you. Um, You need to be making the decisions about who's going to be caring for you and who's going to be taking, making those medical decisions. Well, Regina, it has been a pleasure sitting down and speaking with you today. Uh, We just have about a minute left in our show, and I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you want to leave our listeners with. Uh, If you have moved from out of state, you probably want your documents updated to Texas. I see that happen a lot is uh, Texas has some real advantages to people who um, who have property. And so you probably want those updated to Texas. And also, um, if you just have documents and you want somebody to look at those documents and see if they need to be updated, we do not charge for our first consultation. And you can just bring those documents to us and let us look at them and see if they need anything. Regina Shower is an attorney at law. With the Slayton Shower Law Firm. Regina, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. To get in contact with Regina and her team, you can give them a call at 512 258 9455. You can visit their website, austinestateplan.com. Hey, that wraps it up for this episode of Ask the Experts. I want to thank you again for tuning in and don't forget to join us again next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.